for the End of Shared Reality substack. This is Hidden in Plain Sight, Ignoring the Strength of Parents as a Political Constituency, Sleeping Giants, and the Inexplicable Choice of the Political Left to Attack Parental Rights, by Brother Beat. There are two growing coalitions with a possibility of significant future political impact, both here in the U.S. and internationally. One group is made up of health professionals, vaccine-injured, and mandate opponents organized around seeking justice for the failed COVID public health response. The other group is comprised of parents, teachers, therapists, and others concerned with child protections organized around shielding children from the growing presentation of sex and gender in schools and society in general. I do not pretend at some special predictive power, but these two groups have important, unique commonalities that speak to the possibility of longevity and growth. As mentioned, both are international coalitions, largely pointing to a battle against an opponent with globalist ambitions. The other commonality is that each is comprised of individuals across the political spectrum in each country in which they are taking hold. Although both growing movements are most visible on social media, I encounter them most often in Twitter spaces, public forums. They are not creations of social media. To the degree that either movement is covered in the mainstream press, it is done adversarially. Thus, it is easy to miss the appeal of the unique message behind each movement due to inaccurate media portrayal. Although the media may paint them both as some manifestation of far-right ire, they are neither that nor the same thing. They are two different movements with separate and sometimes parallel goals. I will explore the specific conditions bringing each into being, the group focused on child protections here, and the group focused on public health justice in a future piece. It is easy to recognize the possibility of future solidarity between these two ostensible grassroots movements. One of the most common panaceas offered in Twitter spaces against the growing incursion of sex and gender identity in public education is homeschooling. The impulse makes a great deal of sense. Much of the messaging from public school teachers' unions seems to be advertising for the growing movement for homeschooling. While the Internet was the source of contagion for the initial wave of mostly white, mostly economically comfortable, mostly girls responsible for the 4,000% increase in trans identification in the last decade. Schools are the new source. There have been numerous anecdotes from parents learning that schools have socially transitioned their children to perform social roles as the opposite sex without parental input. Schools are offering transition closets to better help students perform their social transition. 
Gender and gender identity has been inserted into the curriculum along with pleasure-based sex education. In many ways, this year's annual Pride celebration of gay, lesbian, and bisexual identity, which is increasingly a celebration of trans identity, marked an escalation in the conflict over gender and sex in schools. For some reason not clearly explained anywhere, the celebration of adult sexuality by children was promoted as important to their well-being and future empathy. There were videos from elementary schools of hallways and teachers festooned in rainbows and trans flags. There were neighborhood school pride parades. None of the celebrations made clear why children need to know intimate details of a person to show him basic respect and empathy. The fact that it is not about their interests seems clear to a growing number of young people. There was a remarkable exchange with international reverberations this past Pride Month, which has been something of a shot heard around the world. A recording was made public of a conversation between Donna Starkey, a teacher at Rye College in Essex, England, and her students. Starkey lambasts the students for making another feel bad by asserting that if someone thinks she's a cat, it is a manifestation of mental illness. She then accuses them of mixing up sex and gender when they say there are only two genders because there are at least three sexes, and if they cannot accept this fact, they should choose a different school. She calls their views despicable. You just really upset someone. Saying things like should be in an asylum. I didn't say that. I just said if they if they want to identify as a cow or something, then they're like genuinely unwell. Then they've gone yeah, they're crazy. You were questioning their identity. No, I wasn't a question. I was just saying about the gender. I didn't say anything about them. But where did you get this idea from? There's only two genders. I just said my opinion. If I respect their opinion, can't they respect my opinion? It's just not an opinion. It's not an opinion. There's only a boy and a girl yesterday. There's no other private part. There's only two. Gender is not linked to the parts that you were born with. Gender is about how you identify. Which is what I said right from the very beginning of the lesson. I just don't agree with that. So why should I have to listen to that? Biological sex, there is actually... Three biological sex, because you can be born intersex, you can be born with male and female body parts or hormones. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, there's three, there's not three hundred. Doesn't mean... There's three. I'm talking about biological sex. In terms of gender, there are lots of genders. There is transgender, there is agender, people yeah, that don't believe that. they have a gender at all. Yeah, but you can't have that. You, are, you, no, you have can't have that, it's not a law. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a lot, it's our opinion, we just don't agree with it. We just think it's all just... If different. you have a vagina, you're a girl, if you have a penis, you're a boy. Yeah. But cisgender is not necessarily the way to be. It's you were talking about the fact that cisgender is the, the norm, that you identify with the gender... That with the sexual organ that you're born with yeah. or you're weird. That's yeah. basically what you're saying. Yeah. Which is really despicable. How? 
If I called my mum right now, my mum would be sad. If I called my mum, she'd be sad. Well, that's very sad as well, then. How is it? Loads of people agree with that. There's only a small majority of people who actually think that. And why do you think we have so many problems in the world with homophobia? educational conversation about edu about equality, diversity and inclusion I'm because I'm not having that expressed in my lesson. When I'm teaching you about you can be who you want to be, how you it. identify is up to so you. Everyone else thinks it, they just don't say it because then all yeah. this happens. Maybe because they're polite and maybe they're sensitive. I've never, I haven't said anything in all of the lessons I, I've been in. It's just because they turned around and started saying something. So I said, how can you identify as a cat when you're a girl? Oh, well, yeah. they're now writing a statement. I would imagine oh. that you'll be asked to write a statement as well. The reason that this resonates so much is that parents are seldom afforded such an unedited view into the classroom. It is a stark illustration of how captured our institutions are, especially our educational institutions, by an utterly meaningless and convoluted ideology. Parents are offended by the idea that students are punished for thinking independently and stating biological reality. They are alarmed that teachers seem to be foot soldiers of this ideology. Like Starkey, they see that many feel that imparting the tenets of gender is more important than the cognitive development of their students. This helps to explain one of the most important factors behind why I see this burgeoning political movement as significant. Every incident, like the Rye College Exchange, inspires parents to look more closely at their own schools. Many are shocked by the sex and gender curriculum and books available to students when they look more closely. The concern seems to mobilize parents across the political spectrum from diverse religious backgrounds. During June, large protests broke out against sex and gender in schools in Ottawa led by Muslim parents. Parents protested in Montgomery County, Maryland, against a rule to disallow students from opting out of sex and gender lessons. What I have behind me is hundreds of Arab Muslims, Ethiopian Christians, Peruvian Catholics, and so many others. Let's go see them. We love our children. We will never surrender our children. These parents here are asking only for the right to be conscientious objectors to a, a, a government policy that forces them to choose between obeying God and obeying the state. And, and it's very ironic and it's very beautiful, in fact, that it takes a, 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 a immigrants 
It takes immigrants to this beautiful country who came here because they understood what it was stood for, and they understood what was beautiful about it, and they are here to teach a lesson to these folks who have never even met most of these people here. Parents with a large Armenian cohort from the Glendale Unified School District had several protests against Pride in School. All of these parent protests were met by Antifa counter-protesters, escalating violence with the parents. Despite claims that these protests represent some far-right white nationalism, they are led by immigrant families and opposed by mostly white activists from outside the school districts. Such diverse, multicultural, cross-political, grassroots organizing occurring in multiple locations simultaneously is highly unusual. The diversity of the people coming together in solidarity for the protection of their children is another significant factor that speaks to the potential political significance of this movement. There is a growing awareness among parents that makes this movement more likely to grow rather than dissipate. When outside activists converge with violence and the FBI investigates parents as possible domestic terrorists for wanting to ensure age-appropriate curriculum for their children, they understand that they and their children are under attack. States like California, Washington, and Oregon have declared themselves transgender sanctuary states. These states welcome children from states that ban medicalizing gender dysphoria while ignoring extradition orders from those states for fleeing non-custodial parents and runaways. The California legislature is considering AB 957, which would force custody to the parent affirming a child's gender identity in a custody battle during divorce. So this particular bill adds the very important factor that affirming a child's gender identity is in their best interest, which is what your question is about. Why does it, get, why does it actually say that in a, an affirmative way? And it really is because if you have a seven-year-old who's, who's talking about having a potential to say, I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed. And through care, it should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school. It doesn't matter. Our children should be affirmed. And this is saying that you have to include gender affirmation as a part of that. AB 665, also under consideration, would allow children to emancipate themselves from their families to choose state custody to essentially undertake gender-affirming care. Children in state custody may have their gender affirmed without question. This may be achieved without parental access or knowledge. 
A similar bill was signed into law in Washington in May. SB 5599 allows adolescents to access gender-affirming care by entering a juvenile shelter while removing any obligation to alert parents. The bill makes it possible for a child's location to be kept from parents searching for a runaway. At the same time, Seattle Public Schools are teaming with gender clinics to offer services at school without parental knowledge or consent. And a parental rights group files a complaint against California's largest school district over its race-based discrimination program. Joining us right now, Vice President of Parents Defending Education, Caroline Moore. Good morning, Caroline. Welcome to the National Desk. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. There are two clinics that offer transgender transition services to children that are located inside two public schools there in Seattle. What do we know about these clinics and what they offer? Yeah, so actually what we know is that, like you said, Seattle Public Schools is partnering with um, this gender clinic and it's a nonprofit in the Seattle area. It's called the, um, it's Country Health or Country Healthcare um, providers, and they're providing services, anything from a lab test in a school, like a blood test, to giving the students referrals and the recommendations they need to obtain a gender transition surgery or to get hormones to help them um, in their gender transition. Now, something important to note is that this is all happening without the consent of parents. Parents are are, um, unaware that these clinics exist in their schools, and they are most definitely unaware that the clinics and school districts are partnering behind their backs to use their insurance to um, pay for these referrals and services that gets kids on the path to transitioning their gender. And they're using the parents' insurance without getting any kind of notification, any kind of permission. Also, I read two taxpayer dollars were being spent uh, when the public education system in trouble all across the country, as we know. Why are these clinics located inside schools? These are just a few examples of the expanding legislative effort to separate children from parents who won't surrender their children to gender ideology. The subtext of this effort across the U.S., Europe, Canada, and Australia is that protecting and express gender identity is more important than protecting the relationship with parents, maintaining a stable home, or even the physical well-being of the child. Anyone who might elevate the future physical health of a child over his current mutable gender identity is clearly an enemy to the cause. If school is the front in a war against parents and their children, it is important to recognize that the war is expanding. This is another reason that this movement has significant potential for growth and longevity it will become increasingly impossible to avoid the war simply by avoiding school. Earlier in the month of July, a video of an enraged father went viral. Speaking directly to the camera, he tells the story of his wife taking his kids to their pediatrician who asked if they identified as a boy, girl, or non-binary. The doctor had worked with the boys their entire lives and had no reason to suspect that either was confused about his sex. 
I'm literally on fire right now. I just got off the phone with my wife, who took my nine and seven-year-old boys to the doctor today to get physicals for tackle football and school next year and all that other shit. The first, my nine-year-old son went in first, and the first thing this woman asks him is if he identifies as a boy, a girl, gender fluid, or non-binary. My son, he's never heard of any of that shit before. You've been dealing with him your whole life. He is clearly a boy's boy. So what are you, trying to plant a fucking seed in his head? I, the only thing I could be thankful for is that my wife took them instead of me. And props to my wife because she said something. And if she didn't, they would ask my seven-year-old son the same damn question. This shit is ridiculous. And to the people out there to think that there's nothing wrong with that and I'm just a, a, a transphobe or all that shit, you're fucked up. This is bullshit. And there's something wrong with you. This highlights something that is happening at scale among the most credentialed in the West. They are elevating this new popular metaphysical approach to humans over even their own knowledge and judgment even when it is obviously wrong. They then expect the less credentialed who are correct to accept this abdication of judgment over their deep personal knowledge of their children. I am not even a parent, and I find the idea deeply offensive. Parents, like the father in the video, are one interaction away from understanding that their children are endangered by sinister forces and ripe for effective organizing against those forces. While the growing movement of parents is still rather young and decentralized, there have been efforts so effective they have already received reactionary backlash and hyperbolic outrage in the media. In June, the Southern Poverty Law Center designated the group Moms for Liberty an extremist anti-government organization. SPLC added Moms for Liberty to their list of extremist groups for the first time in their 2022 Year in Extremism report. In it, they say that Moms for Liberty have quickly become one of the most recognized names in the anti-student inclusion movement. Moms for Liberty is considered anti-inclusion because they oppose the teaching of what is called critical race theory, CRT, and LGBTQ topics. They are also accused of wanting to ban books. SPLC never explains why CRT, or teaching LGBTQ topics, is beneficial. The organization just starts from the assumption that they are vital and positive topics. CRT is not history. It is a specific interpretation of history that reinforces the importance of slavery as the most central element to the current understanding of the U.S. Not teaching explicitly about LGBTQ topics is seen as an attack on LGBTQ rights that never names an endangered right. Based on my own teaching experience, inclusion is not taught. It is a community value built on developing mutual empathy. 
Empathy is predicated on the truth that we are all similar in the most essential ways. It is through that understanding that we recognize that differences are less important than our essential similarities. The value of inclusion is that it provides each of us a mirror for better seeing ourselves and embracing what makes each of us unique. What SPLC calls inclusion is actually the opposite, highlighting difference and essentially demanding that others respect that difference is a direct invitation for exclusion. Their accusation that Moms for Liberty wants to ban books highlights the most unexpected factor that ensures that this fledgling movement will grow, the unintended consequences of the Streisand effect. The Streisand effect refers to the famous singer's attempts to remove a photo from the internet, driving interest and internet traffic to the photo. It was a photo of part of the California coastline which featured her mansion. Prior to her suit, it had been downloaded six times, including by the singer. In the months following the suit, the still widely available image was viewed and downloaded more than 400,000 times. Moms for Liberty began in response to the way children were harmed by the failed COVID public health response. They were opposed to school closures and inoculation and mask mandates. Many parents became aware for the first time how much sex and gender was emphasized in the school curriculum watching their children participate in online school. When groups like Moms for Liberty are accused of wanting to ban books, the accusers never name the books. It is an attempt to tie their actions to authoritarian governments that have burned books in the past. It is effective until one actually considers the books they want removed from schools and notes how sexually graphic many of the texts are. It is impossible to make a good-faith argument for including a book like Gender Queer in an elementary school library. Moms for Liberty's emphasis on local actions and elections is already showing positive results. A group of parents took over the school board in Chino, California. This July, they adopted a policy that parents must be informed if a child expresses a desire to be treated as the opposite sex. This parental notification is supported by 68% of California voters. Critics accuse the board of placing students at risk of potential harm from parents who don't support their gender identity. Gender identity is a subjective, highly contested concept that is introduced as an idea rather than being an immutable human attribute. Students who typically are convinced they have a gender identity believe it corresponds with the opposite sex. The act of social transition, treating a child as the opposite sex, is a powerful therapeutic intervention. Teachers are not trained to administer psychological therapies. The effect of doing so risks making the gender identity a permanent idea the child has of himself 
rather than something he is likely to outgrow. When one compares the statements and actions of bodies like the Chino School Board and groups like Moms for Liberty to what they are accused of promoting, those groups appear incredibly reasonable and their accusers dangerously dishonest. A lot of what you said is exactly why we're here and what I, I mean, what I believe in my heart. And, and I appreciate each one of our board members' viewpoints that they bring in because they are able to bring a different perspective, which is good. And what you guys don't see behind the scenes, we do treat each other with respect and we do listen to each other. And that is something I truly love. Um, tonight, it was rough. Like he said, I don't want to be here having policies like this. But I don't want you to forget that there's a lot of beautiful things happening behind the scenes, too. Our staff is working hard, and I appreciate them doing that, and they are focused on the education. What we're doing is providing them a way to be able to do that without the noise and without the blackmail and without being bullied by Sacramento. I will tell you one thing. As a parent, we were shut down. We tried to have conversations. They, sh they pushed us out to politicians. I'm a soccer mom. I will say that. I'm a fitness trainer. I had no desire to ever be in this seat. The person that I unseated is a, a disgruntled ex-politician, and she's upset that we unseated her, the parents. When they go to try to recall me, they're not recalling me. They're recalling us. This is us. It's always been about us because we united to bring protection over our children. We trust the state, we trust the government, well, we did, until our eyes were open and we no longer were able to because we noticed that we were sending our, our, our kids into danger. Tony Thurman, the Department of Ed, I've been in this seat, please let me talk, I've been in this seat for, I don't know, what is it, July, I've lost track because it's so crazy right now, since July, he's had every opportunity to talk to me. Four months ago, I introduced this policy. He could have picked up the phone. He has a direct line. I've told our superintendent, you guys are not to take the heat. Give him my personal cell phone. Any politician that's called him, I say, do not take the call. Please refer them back to me. This is the policy that I brought forward. I take responsibility. I don't bring reckless things into here. You guys heard, I, I mean... Thank God for our, our legal counsel. I feel bad he's had to sit here all the time, but that was ser to serve a purpose, to show people this is legal. Here's the thing. The Supreme Court has already determined and ruled that parents have a fundamental right to direct the care, the custody, and control of their children. And, and that right does not get taken away unless the parent is ruled unfit. We have a process. Let it go through this process. If these kids are in danger, I don't want to send them back to their house. That would be horrifying. Horrifying. And you know what's really sad? There is a Rasmussen poll. And believe it or not, it had like an overwhelming amount of Democrats that were involved in this poll. And I think it was like a, almost 60 to 70% of parents said they want parental involvement with these specific issues. We can't use polls or just people saying that, you know, the kids are going to commit suicide. Well, if they are, then involve their parents. I will say it again. Are the people opposing this going to be at the gravesite with that parent if some, God forbid, something happened to their child? Stop assuming that parents are dangerous. That's reckless. And, and I will say this. Because a household is affirming or non-affirming, right now they're saying affirming, non-affirming households are, are dangerous. Where do you get that? Actually, if you ask me, 
and, and I've listened to tons of parents, it's actually very safe to be a non-affirming, loving, caring household. Because guess what? They're going to provide and pull their child in closer the necessary needs that they need to be able to get better. So for me, that is important. Bring the parent in. We have no right. And until Sacramento backs down, until Tony Thurman backs down, go on his website. Go to the Department of Education. You would want to literally vomit. Until he backs down, we have to put safeguards. That's why I was brought here. I wasn't brought here for anything other than that. So when they come to intimidate, they send blackmail letters. Let it be not for, not for Chino. Let it be for California to know that you have ra ra raged a war against parents. You raged a war against parental rights. And you're putting our children at risk. And we won't stand for it because guess what? We are united. This isn't my seat. This is our seat. And I will continue to do what I have to do. And I won't be bullied. And neither will our staff. I won't let them be bullied either. I saw what Tony Thurman did. He gave him the look and said, really? Really? Yeah, no, really. He, you're not going to bully him because if he does what's right for the kids, we protect him. Our staff, again, I will reiterate, they are amazing. They're working constantly about educational issues. And if we have to put safeguards in place to be able to let them do that, then you know what? Tell Sacramento to back down and then I'll back down. There's probably no greater sign of the potential growth and longevity of this political constituency than how Moms for Liberty an organization that began two years ago was able to attract Trump, DeSantis, and other candidates for the Republican presidential nomination to their convention this summer. Success breeds success. That potential will be fulfilled if they are able to force politicians across the spectrum to directly address their concerns rather than misrepresenting as politicians on the left do. The Labour Party in the UK now promoting positions on trans self-declaration, which they called extremely bigoted three years ago, suggests it is only a matter of time. Guardian next. And Francis, it's almost like Labour have realised that 51% of the electorate are women. Exactly. Although, who knows what a woman is, Andrew? We don't know. No, we don't know. All Scientists we... have been trying to find that out for years. And exactly. Just don't know. The, the way that I go is I just listen to the one that complains the most and I go, definitely a woman. Anyway, so Labour vows to modify, simplify... <laughs> Dear me, I'm shocked. <laughs> mate! Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and Reform Gender Recognition Act. So, Labour plan to overhaul what they call an outdated law to make it easier for transgender people to transition while maintaining protections for single-sex spaces. OK, so this is an article that Annalise Dodds, who's the Shadow uh, Women and Equalities Minister, has written for The Guardian. Yeah. Um, but aren't people going to be worried that if you make it easier to obtain a gender recognition certificate, that effectively you're ushering in self-ID, you know? Which, well, which, and we know what problems that's caused. Well, I've read through uh, what she's saying and I've read through several articles and it sounds like a fudge, if I'm being... Oh, honest. really? What it sounds like is they're trying to appeal to, let's just say, the more gender-critical, as in the vast majority of the population, and saying, look, we're not going to impinge on women's rights, 
uh, that women's spaces will be respected, etc., etc. But we're also going to make it easier for people to transition. So, so this is where I think Labour don't understand what's going on here, Josh, because they think that they can, like in this statement by Annalise Dodd, she says we're going to firm up the Equality Act. So it's absolutely clear that you can have single-sex protected spaces. Mm. What she doesn't seem to appreciate is that a lot of the trans activists will say that's not good enough. No, but they, they, they this is a fudge. But I do think they know what's going on. Right. And I think that they've tried to have their cake here and eat it. And it's actually, Kemi Badenoch has gone, come out and bought a, a big thread online, basically, showing how the ridiculousness of this, because already the changes that, that, that um, Annalise uh, Dodds is talking about, they have already made in terms of making it. They're not talking about self-ID. What this article in The Guardian doesn't fail to say at all yeah. is this is a massive backtrack from Labour. Right. Which is, two years ago, or up till now, their policy has officially been self-ID. Yes. Now they've done this whole... She's written this whole letter saying, we're going to reform it, and, and then she sticks in at the end, oh, by the way... You know, we are protecting women's spaces and it doesn't matter if you have this well, uh, gender certificate or not. This U-turn has come about probably because there's been more awareness from the public of what happens when self-ID, how self-ID can be exploited. We saw this with Isla Bryson yeah. uh, in, in the Scottish prison. You know, it's very clear to the people now. Oh, yeah, it is very clear. And in the letter, she, they, she also threw the SNP under the bus, who basically yeah. had the same policy as them from two years ago. And they were saying, oh, they just wanted to have a little pop at Westminster. And it had really nothing to do with trans people or trans people's rights. Or, you know. That's very cynical. I don't, yeah, I, mean, yeah. look, I don't support the SNP, but I don't think for a second they were pushing this through just to have a go but, at Westminster. But also Scottish Labour was backing these policies right, as well. Right, right. So this is the problem, is it's the hypocrisy here of this letter where she is basically making out that it's all a culture war and it's the Tories and they've done all the bad stuff and whatever. And essentially they've come out with a sensible policy, somewhat of a compromise, but people are angry because this stuff now that they're saying that we should respect single-sex spaces yeah. is what women have been saying for the last five, six years. Yeah, exactly. And they've been demonised, they've lost their jobs. Their own MPs, you have Rosie Duffield, who's just been villainised. By members of her own by, party. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and now Labour are turning around. And I'm glad they've got it. I'm glad they finally seem to understand this is important for... Yeah, but I wish they wouldn't dismiss the opposite argument as just a culture war. No, right? no of There's course not. It's so no, much no. more important. No, of course it know. is. And that, But now they're saying, but we're going to do it right. It's like, yeah. you've cha they've changed their tune. I'm glad that they have, but they should have been singing... I don't know where this analogy is going, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, trans women are women. Thank you. There's a bit of balance there. Okay.